Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. The book of Judges is an epic tale of 21 chapters and 618 verses that depicts God's people going back and forth between the gods of the land and their God of their ancestors, wavering behind promises and their future. Yet God, being merciful, allowed those very people in that land to test his people, to test their strength, to create in them a vision and a legacy to anchor them. Each and every time that they cried out for deliverance, a merciful and gracious God raised up ordinary men and women to be their deliverers by his mighty hand. The people of Israel continued to form a pattern, swaying and leaving and turning their backs on their God. But it was because they lacked vision. They could not see and did not know the things that their ancestors had experienced. So God tested them and created a vision, a legacy that they could be anchored to. A gracious and merciful God using ordinary men and women to create an anchored people that he could believe and trust in. So as we've done in the past with the other books, because we're looking at the entire book, you know, as a, as a church family, we're reading through the Bible or studying each book of the Bible throughout this year to keep us anchored. So we know what's in the Bible to see how it progresses, to see how it, each book touches the other books. And um, so now we're going to go over an overview of Judges. So um, the type of book is it's a history book. It is uh, 21 chapters, as mentioned in the audio. The date was uh, from 550 B.C. was when it was written, and the periods that I covered were 1315 B.C. to 1050 B.C. And the author, anyone know? I was looking for some help. No, Sam. Samuel, right here. All right. Congratulations. That's awesome. I had to Google it. (laughs) Thank God for Google. So the book of Judges also is divided up like other books. And in that, the book of Judges from chapters one to two is about conquests. We know that Joshua passed. They moved into the promised land while he was alive and conquered Jericho. But they also had other conquests when they first entered. However, books, uh, chapters 3 through 16 talk about their compromise. And then the book ends in utter chaos. They got buck wild, y'all. I'm just saying. So that is the breakdown of the book of Judges. So today, 
as I usually do, I want to start off uh, just asking the Lord to use me and that his words proceed out of my mouth and not anything of me proceed out of my mouth. And I believe that this book lays out a process for God's people, but also a process for us to be delivered, healed, as, as Pastor Harold said, from things in our lives today, currently, and to do away with the utter chaos and some generational things that we've been going through. So that's kind of where we're headed. So let's uh, open it up and let the Lord do what he does show up. Dimly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this book full of lessons, full of tests, full of chaos, compromise, but also full of a merciful and gracious God that saw fit when his people cried out to deliver them. So today, as we study, help us come to a justified end of healing, restoration, and power before we leave this building today. We invite your gracious and merciful and unmatched Holy Spirit to continue, and I say continue because we know you're already here from the worship that we've had, to descend on this place in each and every life and all those watching that couldn't attend today. Touch them, use your word for your honor, for your glory. Use this vessel, broken, compromised, and battered for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. So as I mentioned in Judges, they come into the land and they conquered Jericho at the end of Joshua. They had a leader. That leader was Joshua. You can feel free to help me out throughout this because some of you should have known this from the previous weeks. But <laughs> um, So... Interestingly enough, when they were in the promise, when they were under Joshua's leadership, the people went to Joshua and they went to Moses when they needed something, right? However, when they entered the promised land, oddly enough, they went directly to God because Joshua was no longer there. So they asked God, where should we go first? Who should conquer the Canaanites? God, as God does, responds. And he said, tribe of Judah, tribe of Judah, and I'll give the Canaanites to the tribe of Judah. I'll give them into their hands. They went out. They won that battle. They dispelled and removed the people, and they conquered the Canaanites, that portion of the Canaanites. So as you go on in chapter one, remember, this is only the first chapter, (laughs) and They went into various other battles, and God was merciful and gracious, allowed them to conquer the people. However, something changed. You don't hear them seeking God and asking God anymore. What you do see is that it says that they kept the people with them, and they lived among them. So the people that they conquered the people that they were against, they kept them there and allowed them to live among them and become a part of their, let's use today's terms, neighborhood, right? As opposed to casting them out and sending them away. Now, to illustrate this, 
I have a tangerine, half a tangerine here because I got hungry. But I got hungry before I did what I'm going to share with you. This half a tangerine. Anybody like tangerines? Anybody want to try it? You want to try it? All right, can I tell you something first, though? All right, so this half a tangerine also has some banana peppers and onions from Noah's uh, sandwich last night, my son's sandwich last night. So I put, I put them in there saying, well, you know what? Tangerine is sweet. God's people are sweet. God looks out for his people. So if his people existed in the land with the Canaanites, the Midianites, the Paradites, the termites. Oh, good. So you guys are listening and you're awake. The termites are not really a group of people in the promised land, okay? Um, well, I wonder what would happen if modern day we put this tangerine in here, some onions, Ooh. onions and peppers. Would the tangerine overpower the onions and the peppers? Or would the onions and the peppers overpower the tangerine? You want to eat this now? You good? (laughs) You good? So I have these things that I say that are, I call them momisms. And these little sayings that my mom used to say to me for direction, to teach me, um, to put me on the path for the Lord, or whatever the case may be. Just little little quaint sayings to live by. I call them momisms. So one of her momisms was that she used to say to me, Derek, be careful who you hang out with because bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals and good character, right? And so we bring it to the book of Judges, And that's exactly what happened to God's people. And that's why it's called the book of Judges, because he had to raise up judges to come in, set them straight, deliver them, and then they would continue to do the same thing. And they'd call out to him, and he'd be merciful and deliver them again through these judges, right? So amidst the, the, the conquest, there was this cycle Remember in the wilderness, they walked in circles. In the promised land, they're walking in cycles, right? Most cycles go and go and go. But then eventually at some point, they can end. Most circles Just continue around, around. You think about a track. You're doing laps on a track. You go round and round and round, right? So they began to be corrupted. They began to turn their ear, their voice, and their hearts away from God, the God who they had a covenant with. Covenant, I know, is an old school word, but it means a a deep contract that could not be broken. And we know our God cannot break that contract with us. So if it was going to be broken, who was it going to be broken by? By us. And I can tell you right now, 
I know I've broken that contract many, many times. And that same God, when I cried out to him, he brought deliverance, he was gracious, and he was merciful. You know, I'm sorry, I, I'm going off track now. So if you see me do, if you see me do like this, that's because my notes are pulling me back over there, right? But I was just thinking, you know, the book of Judges, I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, God just judged his people. They were a train wreck and this and that. How could they not believe in him? How could they not trust him? He gave them manna in the wilderness. He did all these things, water from a rock, all these things. And saying all this stuff, and all of a sudden I just hear in my spirit, Lord's like, really? He's like, really? He said, just the other day you had a good idea. Someone else repeated the idea, and everyone thought that that person had the idea, and you got mad at them. He's like, really? And you're going to judge them? Then what really got me was, he said, where'd you think the idea came from? (laughs) So, (laughs) right? But that forced me to back away from the book of Judges and look more at what was the cause of the people turning away from God. And we get to Judges, I think it is Judges 2.10, where it talks about God turning his back on his people, and he let the people of the, the land now be over his people. And Eddie talked about something that I'm going to get into now. And I believe Joel talked about it. And that was generations. And it says in Judges that the generation who was in the promised land now did not know the God of their ancestors or the wonders that he did. So when life happened, like life happens to us, we lose that job, that family member gets sick, right? When life happens, if we haven't been taught in previous generations how to seek the face of God, of the goodness of God, the wonders of God, we don't know how to proceed moving forward. And that's exactly what happened here all the great things that God had done in the wilderness, the people who had made it into the promised land and remained had no idea about them. It literally says that they did not know about the God of their fathers and his wonders. And prior to that, it says, when Joshua died and the elders died, the people fell away. There's a cause and effect there. It's interesting because later on it says that God chose to use the people of the land to test his people. It doesn't say judge. It says test. Another momism, if you bear with me, says she always used to say that experience is the toughest teacher because it gives the test first and then the lesson. All right? I'll let you let that sink in for a little bit. So you experience something, you learn through experiencing it. So on the back end, you get the lesson 
you learn the test, you get the pass the test, you get the lesson, and then you learn the, you get the blessing. Right? So the people of God needed to be in the promised land and be tested because they had no reference point from the previous generation of the goodness of God. So they needed to be delivered to see God's goodness. They needed him to step in to see and sense his mercy and his grace. They needed to be tested so that they could have a testimony. Because without a test, there is no testimony. They had no point of reference from the generations before. There was one person, though, who had a point of reference, and that was Gideon. Gideon had a point of reference because when he was called, and Gideon, I love Gideon. So the Midianites are all over the place. They're conquering the land, taking everything they can put their hands on and their eyes on. And Gideon's in the threshing floor in a pit, stomping on wheat and, wheat and grain. Not weed, sorry. Forgive me. Wheat, 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 wheat and grain. And he's, he's in there when the angel of the Lord comes. Now, your, your land's being conquered. Why would you be threshing grain? Unless you were hiding out in a pit, right? So when the angel of the Lord comes, Gideon is called by the angel of the Lord as a mighty warrior. And Gideon's very polite. He says, uh, pardon me? He says, you know, the angel of the Lord, again, says he's a mighty warrior. And he tells him he'll give, his, he'll give the Midianites over into his hands. So Gideon at that point, and this is how we know that he knew about the things of the past, and he knew about the generational things that God had done. Because he says, what about the wonders of our, fam- our ancestors in the past? Where are those wonders that we've heard about? So Gideon knew, which begs us to ask the question, if Gideon knew, then why didn't the others around him know? Maybe it was because Gideon didn't share what he knew. Maybe it was because Gideon kept it locked up tight inside. Right? And so in the story of Gideon, he's raised up to deliver the people from the Midianites. And in delivering the people from the Midianites, God lets him know where those wonders are. Because Gideon starts out with 32,000 troops. And God continues to whittle them down and says, well, anyone who's afraid, they can go home, let them go home. They're whittled down to 10,000. Then he says, well, bring them to the water. And those that drink the water out of their hands and lap it up, they'll stay and the others will go. He's down to 300 men to go fight the Midianites. He asked the question, so be careful what you ask for. He said, where's the God? Where's the God of those wonders? Where's the God that does all these wondrous things? And so he dropped his troops down to 300 and told them to go against the Midianite army. But God is gracious and God is merciful. He gave Gideon an opportunity 
to listen in on the Midianites talking about a dream that one of them had, a dream that was interpreted to mean that Israel was going to take out the Midianite troops. And Gideon overheard this. He went back with confidence and boldness and followed the directions of God to blow trumpets, break clay jars, and to bring torches. That night, the Midianite troops turned against one another and took each other out. Gideon had no, no, no involvement, but saw the wonders of God. The people of Israel compromised, were delivered, were tested, and God continued to be patient with them throughout. He never, ever turned his back on them or condemned them. He was patient with them and delivered them as they cried out to him. They continued that cycle. They continued to move in that cycle. As we move forward, we see that the people were not in a place where they could fix this. Even though they relied on God, even though they cried out to God, and he delivered them, they couldn't fix it. In our times of testing, in our times of need, there are going to be those things that we can't fix. And we need to cry out and ask, where are the wonders of God? And God's okay with that. He's okay with that because he's a big God, a loving God. There was a judge, the only female judge, named Deborah. And interesting thing about Deborah was she, when she was called, she immediately responded, but God asked her to tell another person, Barak, to conquer the people. And she said, you go and you conquer this king, Sisera, and God will give him into your hands. And Barak actually said to Deborah, he said, well, I'll go if you go with me. And she said, I'll go with you, but she said, you won't get the recognition. You won't get the credit. So it turns out that during the battle, this king that he was seeking out left and ended up in a tent of a relative. And that day, the wife of the owner of that tent actually took out that king that Barak was supposed to take out. As he arrived, she told him, oh, he's already gone. I took care of him. And the interesting thing about Deborah is that Deborah had theme music. They wrote a song about Deborah, right? Dr. D. <laughs> they wrote a song about her. And there's a song called The Song of Deborah. And in that song, it talks about her heart being for the people of Israel. It's one of the things that sticks out in there. 
So where are our hearts? Where are our hearts when it comes to being patient and waiting for the wonders of God? Waiting for his deliverance after we call out to him. Where is our testimony, our story? Quickly, I'll share. My son Noah is a big soccer player, and um, he's pretty good. And we had an opportunity to switch soccer academies. And we we were leaning towards this one academy and felt really, really led by the Lord to go there. And you know, the, the, the prayer team here and everything prayed about for wisdom and direction and everything. And we, we prayed about it and we were w- w- ready to make the decision, but we felt it would be appropriate to tell the other coach first before we sign any paperwork, before we move over and anything like that. And Noah and I were praying about when was the right time to tell this coach that we were going to be leaving our current team and moving to another team. And as we prayed and prayed, we figured, oh, well, the end of the season will be a good time. Then we felt that the Lord was saying, well, no, you know what? Why don't we wait until this last tournament that we have? All along, I'm having dialogue with this, or this academy that we were moving to and the coach. And everything's going well. They're excited to have Noah there. You know, they laid out all their tournaments that they were going to have. Everything was just wonderful. And we get to the weekend of the tournament and... I said to Noah, I said, you know, like tomorrow's the last, last day of the tournament. We're going to have to have this conversation. And to his credit, he said, Dad, he said, I'll have the conversation with the coaches so that they know that it was something I wanted to do. And at the end of that tournament, the coaches said, hey, we're going to another academy. And this academy has, you know, pre-college opportunities. They have different levels of play available. They have, you know, connections in other parts of the country and all these things. And Noah and I are sitting there looking at each other and we're like, Lord, what? <laughs> he telling us to stay? What's, what's going on? And so again, Noah and I prayed about it. And after a series of confirmations, and him and I walked through this conversation, a series of confirmations, the first confirmation was the fact that when he, when he spoke to his coaches, they assured him that they were still going to be focused on him as an athlete and him as an individual and as a, as a player and as a young man. They said that all the programs that were mentored, he would be involved in. So we had that confirmation. The biggest confirmation for the two of us was that every single time I got on to pay for that other academy, something said in my spirit, don't pay. Don't pay yet. Don't pay yet. And then one day, I got knocked out of the system and my account disappeared. I called the IT person. I was like, hey, um, my account's not in there anymore. I set it up. Oh, you sure? Went in with the password and everything. He said, oh, yeah, I can't see it. Let me reset it. I didn't hear back from him for like two weeks. The coach calls. He says, hey, what's going on? Did you guys tell the other coach? You're signing with us? And I said, well, your IT guy didn't get back to me. I have no account to sign up with you. No, and I went back and prayed again. 
And it was at that point we realized that the Lord wanted him to stay where he was for whatever his purpose is there. And then I went to tell the coach of the other academy, who I'd been talking with, been very upfront with, telling him the process, telling him why we were waiting to be respectful to the other coach and the other program. After doing that, he says, oh, well, I I can't believe that they're going to offer you all that. Hopefully you'll get what you pay for, and they're they're telling you the truth. I'm like, "This, this, this guy just flipped on a dime. You know, with what he was saying prior and how he was responding and how he was acting when he thought we were going there, as opposed to when he found out that we weren't. And the way I left it was I said, well, if this doesn't work out, I said, if you'll have us, we'll come back. You know, we'll we'll come, you know, to your academy next season or whatever. And he didn't say a word, not a word. So what I did was I went and I told Noah exactly what happened. And him and I went over all the confirmations, all the times that we prayed, all the times that God showed us that this was not the move. And to this day, him and I talk about those same confirmations, that same process when we're making other decisions. He has an understanding of how to approach his God, how his God lays out his will for him and how his God will respond. But the only reason he has that is because we had that dialogue and he was involved. The people of Israel had not had that luxury. They didn't have that to fall back on. The generational baton had been dropped. It wasn't passed on from generation to generation. They were floundering and and faltering and looking and seeking in all the wrong places, all the wrong places, when they had a God that had provided food from the sky, water from a rock, a cloud to lead them during the day, and a pillar of fire at night, had delivered them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, and yet... They had no reference point of any of that because someone neglected to tell them. Someone neglected to show them the way. Someone neglected to come alongside them and let them know how big and powerful their God was. So as I looked at the book of Judges, I realized that really, for me, it's a test of what I'm going to do with the generations that come after me. And it's not just family members. It's not just children. I use children, my child, as an example. But it's your neighbors. It's your friends. It's sharing your story. It's sharing what God has done for you. Because at the end of the day, no one can tell me that God didn't confirm those things. No one can tell me that God didn't place Noah where he is. No one can tell me that God didn't bring me through things. The death of my parents, when I had to stand up and give their prayer service and didn't know how I was going to do it. 
And as I was preparing for my dad's, the Lord said to me, he said, everything that I've placed in him, he's placed in you. He's gone. His body's gone. But everything of worth remains. And I know, and I don't know why I feel led, but I feel led for, to speak to the people that are on the live stream. I know that there are many of you, and there are people here as well, but I just feel really led to speak to the people on the live stream. I know some of you can't say that about your fathers, or your parents even, or anyone. You feel so lost and alone. But I'm here to tell you, my story is that you're not lost and alone. The story of the people around you and in this room, and maybe even listening with you, is that you're not alone. That there's a big God that when you call his name, he responds. And that's a generational truth. That's a generational perspective. He's done it time and time and time again. Even to a people of Israel that ended up in chaos. Again and again and again. Today, I really do believe that God is going to do something amazing here as we close out. I want to show a video. I mentioned the baton. I'm going to show this video, and I'm going to position how this video sets us up to move from chaos to closure and conclusion in God's power and in his might. We're not going to stay in chaos today. We're not going to stay in chaos today. That's the way judges ended, but we're not going to end that way today. We're going to end with closure and conclusion today. We're going to take back our generational perspective. We're going to cast down the things that you've been told about yourselves, and we're going to start afresh and anew with God. Need that video? San Antonio Blazers, Georgia Rapid Fire, Track Club of Fort Lauderdale, Greater Houston, Baltimore City, Metro Covers, Dragons Youth. This is Track Club of Fort Lauderdale. What a 483. Doesn't need much explanation, does it? They could have ended in chaos. But that little girl <laughs> picked up that baton and she had rockets in her shoes and she took off and crossed the finish line. The great thing about it was the team won. Even the one who dropped the baton in the past 
won because she picked up the baton and put chaos aside. And you know, I'll leave you with this because we're going to have the praise team come out and we're going to do some sings, some songs. They're going to do some songs, not me, because you don't want me doing them. But because I believe that the Holy Spirit is here waiting. So the last leg of a relay race is called a what? An anchor leg. The very last leg of a relay race is called an anchor leg. So soak up what the Holy Spirit wants to do now and move from chaos to closure. We're not staying in chaos anymore, people. We're not. We're done with that. That's not who God called us to be. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.